Osteobites is a weekly osteosarcoma webinar and podcast presented by MIB agents. This week, we're talking with Dr. Katie Janeway, Director of Clinical Genomics and Senior Physician at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Harvard Medical School, Dr. Suzanne Forrest, Pediatric Oncology at Dana-Farber and Instructor at Harvard Medical School. Our OsteoWire panelists this week are Maeve Smart, MIB Agents Junior Board, Alexis Johnson, MIB Agents Junior Board and Mission Commander, Amanda Levine, Patient Advocate, and I'm your host, Ann Graham, President of MIB Agents. Welcome to OsteoBytes, everybody. Summer is here, so because it's OsteoBytes, we have to have a snack. Mine's raspberries today because they're so delicious right now. Um, I hope you have your snacks, too. Today, we are excited to have Dr. Katie Janeway and Dr. Suzanne Forrest, both with us. They are physician researchers with Dana-Farber and professors of medicine at Harvard Medical School. They'll be talking about an osteosarcoma trial that's funded by Osteosarcoma Institute, the same people who bring us the osteosarcoma hotline. Uh, so really, really, really excited about that. We also have our panelists uh, with us, two of whom are MIB agents, junior board members who are pursuing a career in medicine, Maeve Smart and Alexis Johnson. We also have our, our regular uh, osteo warrior and, um, and panelist, Amanda Levine, and I'm your host, Anne Graham, also an osteo warrior and MIB Agents president. Excited to get started, but first wanted to tell you that MIB Agents makes it better, MIB for kids with osteosarcoma. Our mission, our life, our purpose is to provide direct patient and family support to bring together the physician, researcher, and patient community in the spirit of collaboration and education, and by funding osteosarcoma-specific research. We have over 200 volunteers and a dedicated medical researcher community that helps make all of that happen, including our guest, Dr. Katie Janeway. So Katie, would you get us started by introducing yourself, please? Sure, so I'm Katie Janeway. I'm a pediatric oncologist. Um, I'm an associate professor. Hopefully someday I'll be a full professor. Um, and I'm at Dana-Farber and Boston Children's here in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I am the osteosarcoma expert here at this institution. Um, and we see about 40 osteosarcoma, new osteosarcoma patients each year. So we have um, quite a big program here and I'm fortunate to work with a really terrific team. Um, and one of those team members is joining me today. Um, to help um, tell you about this very exciting trial that we have opening up. Um, so I'll let her introduce herself next. Thank you. I'm Suzanne Forrest. Um, as Dr. Janeway say, I work closely with her and I'm one of the junior faculty members at Dana-Farber and Boston Children's, an instructor in medicine at Harvard as well. And I'm very happy to be working with my mentor, Dr. Janeway, on this trial as well as other work that we do together. Um, supporting osteosarcoma research. Hi, I'm Amanda, and you may know me from both the public and private groups on Facebook for the past 10 years. I'm thankful for MIB for again having me. My experience with osteosarcoma began in 1987 when I was diagnosed with OS of my left leg and left lung. And then in 2010, I had breast cancer. And you hear me talking funny because in 2018, 
Arizona's Alice will, will never ever send me from helping you. I'm Alexis Johnson. I'm a 12-year osteosarcoma survivor, and I'm also a second-year medical student at the University of Arizona, Tucson. Um, I've been involved in MIV for a couple years now. They're like my second family, and I'm mission commander and part of the junior board. I'm Maeve Smart. I'm a two-time osteosarcoma survivor. I was diagnosed in 2011 and 2014. I'm now six years, no evidence of disease. I'm going into my fourth year at Northeastern in Boston. And as Anne said, I'm also a member of the junior board. Thank you for having me. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. I've got a few, um, uh, Suzanne and I have a few slides to show you just to help explain this clinical trial. Um, before I start, I. Um, and start those slides, I wanted to um, just let this group know about two other um, activities that we're leading here at Dana-Farber or that we are activating here at Dana-Farber, um, just in case um, you wanna ask questions about those as well. Um, the first is something called Count Me In, which was um, first launched and, and introduced to the community um, at the factor meeting um, in, uh, right before everything, we started meeting on Zoom all the time um, this year. And that is, um, it's called the OS Project. And it's a platform that allows us um, researchers and, and patients and families and loved ones to work together to try to further progress in osteosarcoma through a participation in sharing um, um, you know, samples and, and, and research, uh, or, or, sorry, and clinical data from the medical record. So um, if you're interested in that, you can ask me questions about that at the end of the presentation. Um, there, the, the project is still open and people can sign up right now during COVID. We're not able to take in samples, um, but they're working on trying to, um, uh, to figure out ways to continue the project um, even during um, these unusual times. Um, and I'll tell you about the other um, trial at the end of the presentation. Hopefully you can see my slides now um, that um, are about this phase two trial of Olaparib in combination with Sorelacertib in patients with recurrent osteosarcoma. Um, just looking at Alexis and Maeve to make sure you, everyone can see my slides. Yes? Okay, great. So um, I did talk about this trial at the factor meeting as well, um, but I wanted to um, update people because we're uh, very close to op opening this clinical trial here at Dana-Farber. Um, and I will start with just a little bit of background. Um, and this background is some biology um, called DNA damage response and inhibitors. So what's shown here in the two colors of blue is a strand of DNA. And when a cell divides, it needs to multiply this DNA. It needs to make two copies so that there are two, um, each daughter cell or son cell, we tend to call it a daughter cell, um, has a copy, a full copy of the DNA. And when the DNA is being copied, it tends to get um, breaks in it or nicks. So these little holes here um, are not supposed to be there. This is a, a nick or a break in one strand of the DNA, and this is in both strands. And you can think there's this all this underlying um, sort of machinery, which is shown under the two strands of DNA, which is called the DNA damage response. And you can think of it like four legs of a stool. So one, two, three, four, that kind of hold up or prop up the process of 
DNA replication or making these two copies of the DNA. And it turns out that cancer can actually be caused by one leg of the, leg of the stool being weak. Um, and the most common example of that um, is uh, mutations in BRCA1 or BRCA2, which are the breast cancer genes. So if you have um, a, an error in BRCA1 or BRCA2 in all the cells of the body, then you're at increased risk for breast cancer. And the, the sort of way that that causes cancer is actually by not healing or not repairing these breaks properly. And so it's very common for cancer cells to have um, sort of weakness of one of these four legs of the stool. And when you have that, the cancer itself actually gets what we call signature three, which is like a scar. It's like a, a, a mark of the fact that the cancer cells have this weakness in one, one of the legs of the stool. Well, it turns out that this, this weakness, this what we call DNA damage um, response deficiency, actually also results in creating a vulnerability for the cancer. So you, I, you remember I, I mentioned that the process of multiplying the DNA and repairing these break, broken areas, it has four legs of the stool. If you have weakness in one leg, it turns out that if you weaken the other leg, the stool can actually fall over and then the cell dies off instead of making two daughter cells. Okay, so that's the vulnerability that having a weak stool leg causes. And there, so because of that, there are a ton of drugs that have been developed to try to weaken additional legs of the stool. And the, this trial is gonna focus on um, a group of um, drugs called PARC inhibitors, which weaken one of the legs of the stool. It turns out that another way um, that you can kind of use this weakness as a vulnerability is to kind of overload the system. So if you cause a lot of these, if you give treatments that causes a lot of these breaks, it kind of overburdens the system. And if one of the legs of the stool is weak, it's too much. Like it's like putting too much weight on top of a stool leg, a uh, stool that has a weak leg and the thing falls over. So again, when it falls over, you don't make the daughter cells and you can't survive as a cancer. So it turns out that cisplatin, which I think most of you know, we use in osteosarcoma, actually works by causing these breaks and kind of overloading that stool. So um, interestingly, um, a lot of the cancers that we'll talk about where these drugs that weaken one of the legs of the stool are used are also treated with cisplatin, like osteosarcoma. And you'll, you, you may, I don't know if you've talked much to other sarcoma patients, but osteosarcoma is actually the only sarcoma where we use cisplatin. So one of the drugs in this trial is called Olaparib. This drug is FDA approved for the treatment of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and pancreatic cancer with BRCA mutations, though that breast cancer mutation where they already have one leg of the stool weakened. It's an oral medication, and it has a lower incidence of many of the chemotherapy side effects, although anemia is um, common at 30% of patients. And it turns out that um, Olaparib has gone from being shown to be useful in metastatic breast cancer in the relapse and refractory setting, which I'm showing you up here on the top where it causes tumor shrinkage, to actually in, this was done in 2010, and now in 2017, which is shown at the bottom, actually showing that in the newly diagnosed setting, it's better than the standard chemotherapy. Um, so it turns out that osteosarcoma has this signature three, or this evidence of scarring from an abnormal repair of the DNA. 
Um, and um, in our review of, 29, of 92 osteosarcoma samples from high-risk patients, and this is a combination of patients seen here at my institution and patients who've enrolled in our um, 12 institution study called the GAIN Consortium Study, 30% of the osteosarcomas we look at have signature three. Um, we don't, however, find an underlying, for example, breast cancer mutation in most of the patients. So we're unclear why osteosarcomas, about a third of osteosarcomas have this signature three or the scarring. And I'm gonna not dwell on the next two slides, but basically just to say that our group isn't the only group that has shown this. There are two pan-pediatric cancer studies that showed this. And actually, this is kind of a national database of cancers with signature three. And osteosarcoma here has 33% of the tumor sample sequence that have signature three. And this is an independent group from the one that I showed you. So it's a totally different group of cancers. And I put up here the percentage of cancers in these different cancer types, pancreatic, prostate, breast, and ovary um, that have signature three. And those are the cancer types um, where Olaparib has been used and in many cases is approved for FDA, by the FDA for use in these cancers. So it's one of the cancers that has a relatively high rate of evidence of having abnormal DNA repair or signature three, where um, these drugs, Olaparib, that kind of that that kind of use that vulnerability um, actually ha have been and it hasn't been studied in osteosarcoma. So um, I have one more thing to tell you um, that's important in terms of explaining to you why we chose the second drug to go with Olaparib that we chose and that's about telomeres. So telomeres are the end of the DNA or the chromosome. Um, and when you have short telomeres, um, so that, sorry, I should back up one second. The end of the chromosome tends to shorten over time. That's actually what causes aging. Um, and so when you get a short, shorter telomere, you get senescence or, or the cells sort of stop proliferating or growing. And cancers, because they grow a lot, they need long telomeres. There are a couple of ways to keep your telomeres long. One is called telomerase, and one is called ALT, or it means alternative way to do it. And more than half of osteosarcomas use ALT. Well, it turns out ALT also relies on that four-legged machinery that's used to, to repair those DNA breaks. And osteosarcoma cell lines with ALT are sensitive to a group of drugs called ATR inhibitors, which also kind of mess up that machinery. Um, and this is just a, um, a paper from science um, from a couple of years ago, um, showing that um, alt-positive osteosarcomas, um, these are cell lines treated with this, which is an ATR inhibitor, um, are very sensitive to that drug. So um, when we were, um, this goes back now, I think about four or five years ago, um, we've been thinking about, can we use what we understand about the osteosarcoma genome to try to get sort of more precision therapies into the clinic. And um, we, um, I think it was the Osteosarcoma Collaborative that kind of engaged some of the investigators um, uh, in a discussion about this. And one of the things that we heard loud and clear there from patients and families, and also from investigators, and I think is very right, is osteosarcoma, especially when it comes back, tends to be quite aggressive. And so using a single drug, um, may not be the best approach. Um, and so we were challenged to think about, can we do a combination of drugs? Um, because if we use a single drug, maybe the, the cancer just gets smart enough and figures out a way around it quickly. 
And so we were fortunate to see that um, the drugs PARP inhibitor and ATR inhibitor had been used together actually, um, both in the laboratory and actually in patients. Um, and that we knew a, a dose to use um, for those, um, those two drugs together. And we understood the side effects and the side effects were tolerable. So that led us to say, well, we, we have evidence from this signature three scarring that maybe one of the legs is weakened in osteosarcoma. And if we knock out the other leg with the PARP inhibitor, we'll actually topple the cancer. We also have evidence that the ATR inhibitor um, works on that um, telomere maintenance problem. And um, perhaps putting those two together um, will give us a better um, activity. So um, because of that, we worked, we've been working for some time to um, design this phase two clinical trial of Elaparib, which is the PARP inhibitor, and Seralacertib. Um, and I'm gonna actually let um, Dr. Forrest tell you kind of what the goals of the trial are and, and what the treatment is. Uh, and so I'll turn it over to her now. Thank you very much. So I'll just give a little bit of a quick summary about the trial. So the goal is to test whether these two medications that Dr. Jamway mentioned, Olaparib and Sarlacertib, work to treat osteosarcoma that has come back or has become resistant to treatment. And the second goal is to collect tumor and blood specimens to better understand which patients potentially benefit from this treatment and potentially respond to the treatment and also to advance osteosarcoma research. The design of the trial, um, it's a phase two trial, meaning that the dose has already been determined. So it's um, the safety and dose has been determined already. And it's really the main goal is to see whether the, the combination treatment works. Um, and there are two different groups in um, the trial. The first group have osteosarcoma that um, is not able to all be removed with surgery. And the second group have osteosarcoma that's only in the lungs and where the doctors think that it can be removed with surgery. It can be on either one or both sides of the lungs. Um, the key inclusion criteria, so different clinical trials have um, different inclusion and exclusion criteria for which patients can participate in the clinical trial. And we generally try to have it be as open as it can be to as many patients as possible. Um, because of the use of the um, dose from adults treated with these two combinations, the age limitation for the trial is 12 to 40 years, but we think that that will hopefully include almost all of our osteosarcoma patients. Um, and then the weight patients do have to weigh over 40, pound, uh, 40 kilograms or 88 pounds um, just because of the dose of the medication and the size of the pills. And then they do have to be able to swallow pills as well, have tumor tissue that is available from previous um, surgeries that were done. And then they do have to have um, certain bone marrow uh, showing that their bone marrow is working pretty well in terms of their neutrophil count being over 1250, their platelet count being over 100, and their hemoglobin being over 9. Um, and that's because the, uh, these medications can cause your blood counts to go down a little bit, but we certainly don't expect it to go down a lot like it does with regular chemotherapy. The treatment on the trial, um, we mentioned and was on another slide, the Olaparib medication is given every single day. The, um, the 
medications are given in a cycle that's 28 days long or four weeks long. And the Olaparib is given twice a day for the whole cycle. And the Seralacertib is given just on the first seven days of the cycle. And then participants are monitored for side effects. And if there does need to be a change or lowering of the dose, then that the doctors um, treating the patients will do that. Um, and patients can remain on treatment for up to two years if they seem to be having benefit. For the patients with osteosarcoma that's only in the lungs, they also have surgery to remove the tumor from either the tumors from either one or both sides of their lungs at specific times. Um, and in order and to show more information about the trial, you can go to the clinicaltrials.gov website and there's more information, including all of the different eligibility criteria for the trial. So um, one very important part of this clinical trial is that we um, aim to learn from every single patient. Um, and so um, uh, Suzanne and I are working in collaboration with Dr. Alejandro Sweet Cordero and a physician, a, a younger physician like Dr. Forrest named Dr. Avanti Shah to make sure that we fully study um, every single tumor that we're able to obtain as part of sample that we're able to obtain as part of this trial. Um, not only just the static tumor itself, but trying to make a model of that tumor and understand in the laboratory what are some of the predictors of response to olaparib and seralocertib? And um, so that's um, very active ongoing work with Dr. Sweet Cordero, who's already started to work with the models he has in the laboratory with these drugs to, um, to help us um, sort of better understand. And so um, this is showing um, basically um, Dr. Alejandro Sweet Cordero's laboratory work, and this is the clinical trial, and there are all of these connections and actually we're um, uh, you know, speaking frequently as we're developing the trial with his laboratory to make sure we get the samples that he needs to do his work. Um, because really um, uh, this is the best way we think to move osteosarcoma forward is not just to do the trial and get the trial results, but also to really understand those trial results in a very patient specific manner. Um, so with that, um, I'm just showing here um, some of the people who've been involved in developing this clinical trial. Um, I do want to acknowledge the funder, who is the Osteosarcoma Institute, for the clinical trial, AstraZeneca, who is the partner supplying the drug and supplying um, funding for drug distribution, and then the St. Baldrick's Foundation, Battle Osteosarcoma, has worked to fund the component of this trial that, um, that is this what we call correlative biology or the sort of deeper investigation of osteosarcoma um, in Dr. Sweet Cordero's laboratory. And I also, I do want to mention that um, for those of you who have been involved in local fundraising efforts or even fundraising efforts for the Dana-Farber, it's really um, those sorts of philanthropy or, or donations um, that really help us get a trial like this off the ground. The trial funding doesn't actually start until the um, trial is activated and enrolling patients, and you can imagine there's a huge amount of work um, and time of, of people that sort of leads up to the trial being able to be activated. So it's really those types of smaller donations and gifts that allow us to get a trial like this to the point where we are now. Um, I do want to mention that the trial is, is all the way through regulatory approval. It um, has approval from our IRB. It has approval from the FDA. Um, and um, we are um, just awaiting 
um, uh, arrival of the drug at our institution in order to be able to activate the trial. You may think that would be something relatively quick, but we're, we are anticipating that it may take a month or two to get that, um, the, the drug on site. Um, there will be two other um, sites where the trial is open, sorry, three. Uh, one is UCSF, um, and then the other two locations are MD Anderson Cancer Center and Memorial Sloan Kettering. Um, and it will take the other sites probably an additional uh, three or four months to be uh, able to activate the trial. Um, the one other trial I wanted to mention um, is a clinical trial that we are about to open. It's also a phase two trial. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a phase two trial where we're trying to determine the activity of a particular um, type of treatment in osteosarcoma that has recurred. Um, and this trial is um, combining um, chemotherapy with a multi-targeted kinase inhibitor. Um, so the chemotherapy is ifosamide and etoposide, and the multi-targeted kinase inhibitor is called lenvantinib, which is in the same category of drugs as pizopinib, bregorafenib, and some of those other IBs that you may have heard of. Um, and this is a randomized trial, so all patients will get ifosamide etoposide, and only some of the patients will be randomized to get the lenvantinib in combination. And we're trying to answer the question about whether giving lenvantinib with ifosamide etoposide actually helps it work better. Um, so people can ask me questions about either this trial that we told you about in more detail, the ifosamide etoposide plus lenvantinib trial, or the um, uh, uh, the Count Me In project. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is so much. I mean, this is so much for osteosarcoma. It's what we've been dreaming of. It's what we've been waiting for. This has been a long time coming. And as you rightfully pointed out, this is, this is a lot of people working together. Yeah. Adel osteosarcoma did a tremendous job in, in raising funds. St. Baldrick's is always doing a tremendous job. Osteosarcoma Institute, like all of these um, nonprofits and, and patient families working together is extraordinary. And then the next thing that's extraordinary that I want everybody to really recognize is that these are institutions working together, researchers working together. And I hear a lot in other um, in other patient communities, other can pediatric patient communities, nobody's working together, everybody's working in silos, blah, blah, blah. And I go, you know, we don't have that problem in osteosarcoma. <laughs> like everybody's doing such a great job. And so thank you for doing that. We have super, a lot of questions. So Amanda, do you want to start with yours? And then we'll- I you, sir, I don't know if you want to rotate, but when do you expect these trials to begin for the phase two aspect? Yeah, so I'm expecting them to begin in the next month or two. Um, and so, um, you know, we're, we're already, if, if people think that they're interested in the trial, please reach out to us. We will, you know, keep your name on a list and contact you um, when the trial opens. So um, we're definitely, you know, we would love it to be open already, um, but we're, you know, we're hoping in the next month or two it will be open. You mentioned a few sites in the USA. Yeah. Well, when the other sites open, will they be only in the USA or overseas also? Yeah, so for this, the trial I talked about in detail, the Sorella Serta plus Alaparib, that's only going to be open in the United States. 
Okay. And only at those four places that I talked about, UCSF, MD Anderson Great. Cancer Center, and Memorial. Will this only be for Lindley Conferences or for the original state recurrences? Yeah, so any recurrence is eligible for this trial. Okay, thank you, that's great. And one more question. Sure. Genetic testing, do you believe should be suggested to the families from the first second the word cancer is? Yeah. It's a great question, Amanda. So, I mean, that's the other hat that I wear. I run a, a couple of studies, one here and one that we work with other institutions on where we do genetic profiling or, or um, sequencing both of tumor and of blood. Um, so if you're asking about genetic testing of blood, I recommend that for all of the osteosarcoma patients that I see. I'm very lucky because I work in an institution where I have a really great genetic counseling group who have the ability to do that. Not all patients are seen in an institution like that. And so not all doctors are able to make those kind of referrals for every single osteosarcoma patient they see. Other places do it based on the history that they get from the patient or the family. I think my concern is that there's certainly osteosarcoma patients who don't have a history of cancer in their family Mm -hmm. where we find that there was something that made them at risk for osteosarcoma and where it might be helpful for family members to know that. Now, when we refer patients for genetic counseling, it's not necessarily to do the testing. That's a very personal decision. It's to give them information. It's really to empower the patient and the family with information so they can make their own decision about whether or not it's right for them. And right. I'm you know, um, so anyway, that's really, that's in terms of the germline genetic testing. If people want to ask me about tumor profiling, I can talk more about that. But if I start talking about that, we'll never get to any of the other questions. Okay. So I'll just keep Thank talking. You. <laughs> Thank you. Um, another question for you is, when is it that you know if your osteosarcoma specifically has signature three? Is that after surgery or is there a way to find it sooner so it could target like primary treatments? Yeah, Maeve, that's a really, really good question. So it turns out the, the problem is that we don't have a great test for signature three yet, or for like how I described is that that weekend stool leg, you know, one of those machinery not being right. So one way to test for that is signature three, but there are probably other ways to test for that. And we haven't found the ideal way to test for that, even in like the cancers where we've been using elaparib since 2010. And we definitely don't know the way to test for it in osteosarcoma. So that's why we're trying to get as many samples as we can to Dr. Sweet Cordero's lab during this trial so that we can begin to understand how do we look for that weakened stool leg? How often do we find it? Does it correlate with the response to the drugs in the trial? Because we actually don't know how to do that even in ovarian or breast cancer very well yet. There's a question if, do you have to travel to Dana-Farber to be on the trial? Yes, yeah, so um, there, as I mentioned, there are four locations, use, but, but first, the first place that will open will be Dana-Farber, and all trials are that way. The central site, the, the leading site has to open first. Um, the other four places are Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York, UCSF in San Francisco, and MD Anderson in Texas. 
Um, and unfortunately, right now, you do have to travel to one of those, well, will be the first site that will be open. So you would have to travel to Dana-Farber. Um, we have been able to continue to have patients even during, I don't know if this question is related to COVID, but even during COVID, we have been able to support patients coming here for clinical trials. It is an oral medication. And so um, you don't need to stay for a long time and get all of the treatment here. Um, um, there, and we've tried to minimize the extra study visits to the extent that we can to allow patients flexibility and traveling back and forth. But I know that it is a challenge right now for people to travel places for clinical trials. Another question from Carolyn is, is Saras, sorry, I'm not going to, Saras Serviv commercially available or only available in a trial? Yes, so Saralacertib is only available as part of a clinical trial. And I, I don't think it would be a good idea. There are certain medications that, you know, there are trials going on and we still, we know enough that we think, well, we could use the drugs off of the clinical trial. I think for these drugs, it would really be best to use them as part of the clinical trial so we really can learn, um, you know, how well do they work? What are the side effects in osteosarcoma patients? Um, and, and the Elavirib is available, but the Seralacertib is not. Okay, question uh, for patients with resectable lung mets. At which point in the trial would they be able to have surgery, assuming they would start the trial with measurable disease? Right, so, um, so this is a little complicated, so I'm gonna, refer, I'm gonna make sure that Suzanne corrects me if I say this incorrectly. So patients who have lung metastases only on one side, enter the study, get two cycles of the Elaparib plus Seralacertib, they get a CT scan, they have resection of the tumor. If it looks like the um, elaparib and seralocertib are benefiting the patient in terms of there's been no substantial growth of the tumor, they stay on the treatment for up to two years. For patients who have two sides of lung metastasis and the surgeon thinks they can do surgery on both sides, they would enter the trial, have the first side resected, get the two cycles of um, elaparib, seralocertib, get a scan again. Um, and then the same thing, they would continue on um, treatment as long as it looked like it was helping. Dr. Forrest, did I say that correctly? I have the schema right here. No, no problem. This, for the patients with it on both sides, they have the surgery after the two cycles too on the second side that hadn't been done yet. And then they, after that, if they feel like they're still benefiting, they can remain on the study um, medication for up to two years. It's very similar to what we do outside of a trial if we're, if we're planning to combine treatment with um, a surgery. We tend to give the treatment to see if it has any effect before we do the surgery so we know whether to continue it after the surgery. Osteosarcoma can have many markers. Without having testing for Signature 3, how do you target the right marker to the right trial? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. So, um, so this gets into the second half of the answer that I started to get into when Amanda asked me that question about genetic testing. So there's two kinds of testing. You can test the blood, which tests all the cells in the body. That's where you look for sort of risk for cancer. And then you can test the tumor, what people call tumor profiling. And that's where you look for these markers, what people call markers or, or biomarkers. 
And um, it's true that osteosarcoma has often has many different changes in genes when you do that kind of testing. In my experience, um, and we've tested about 100 osteosarcomas, um, and including testing some multiple times, those markers generally don't point to a specific therapy very well. They, there's not like a direct link between what we find and a treatment. That's unlike, there are some cancers where you do get that direct link, you know, with at least some frequency. In osteosarcoma, it's pretty uncommon to find something. We find interesting things. We think they're important in terms of the cancer. Um, they definitely, there are some that are, you know, repeating um, in, in, you know, per percentages of patients, but they don't tend to usually sort of directly point to a way to do treatment. Um, and we are hoping that through this trial, because we're um, collecting tumor as part of it and, and working with a really good group who's really interested in, in trying to identify those markers that link to treatment um, to figure out what the markers are that link to this therapy. Um, and whether that's signature three or other ways of looking at weakening of that, um, of that, that stool leg, um, that's what we're going to hope to get at the end of the therapy, of the end of the, I mean, actually what we really hope is it helps everybody. <laughs> that would be my ideal is that every patient who comes in the trial, but that's very unlikely. It's just not how oncology trials usually work. Um, and then if only a subset are helped, we're hoping to be able to identify at least some markers that show, um, what, how, how that is. So how do we identify the markers? The real way is to have um, as high a rate of contribution of tumor samples of patients who participate in the trial as possible. As you mentioned cisplatin, is that typically used as a one-time chemo for MAP or first-line therapy? Can you talk a bit about how osteopatients tolerate the drug for relapse? Yeah, so cisplatin, I mentioned cisplatin, which is the P in MAP. So the P in MAP, so MAP is methotrexate, um, adriamycin or doxorubicin, that's the red one, and cisplatin, which is the one with the P. Um, so the reason I mention that is because most of these cancer types that I described where Olaparib has now been FDA approved as being a useful drug are actually cancer types that get cisplatin as their original chemotherapy. It's the, the chemotherapy that, that has traditionally been used in that cancer type. And I, I think it's just, I mean, it's very suggestive that this whole process of abnormal repair or, or a weakened stool leg is happening in osteosarcoma. Um, the fact that we use cisplatin and that it works in osteosarcoma is very suggestive that this whole area is very important. Um, and it at least convinces us that we need to really do a study where we can ask um, this question about olaparib um, in this cancer type. I was wondering, is everyone in this trial going to get the drug or there be a placebo? No, everybody in the trial gets not only one drug, but both drugs. Yeah. That's a great question, Amanda. If a patient had primary tumor in the tibia with the recurrence to the lung that was resected, and shows no evidence of disease after surgery, would this person be eligible or considered for the trial? So that person would be eligible if they signed up for the trial before having the tumors in the lung resected. Ah, right, okay. Okay, 
So we want to hear early about that so that we can have the patient enter the trial. We can give the drug and because we don't want to give drugs. The reason we did that, Anne, is yeah. we won't, don't want to give experiment, you know, drugs that we're learning about the activity of to patients who have no evidence of disease for two years yeah. where we don't know whether or not it's actually doing something to the cancer. So we want to have them come into the trial. We give them those eight weeks of treatment, get imaging, see, you know, get, get an idea of is it working or not, do the surgery. And then if it's working, we continue for two years. Right. There's a it's a little off topic, but there has been some okay. optimistic press lately about, I'm going to botch this, Verzoceratib, an ATR inhibitor, yeah. which I think was in one of the slides about the stool legs. Can you share any thoughts about this and potential candidate for future trials or potential for um, osteosarcoma? Yeah, so if it's Prexacertib, um, Prexacertib is a CHECK1 inhibitor, um, which is very related to what we're talking about. It is, you're right, whoever picked up on that is very intuitive are very observant is the better word. Um, check one is one of the underlying machinery in one of those stool legs. And so the fact that there's some interest in prexacertib and osteosarcoma very much supports this trial as well, um, because we're interfering with that same machinery, just a, a slightly different um, group of, of drugs. Um, Prexacertib, as far as I know right now, I, I think we would be interested in trying to design a trial um, of Prexacertib with osteosarcoma right now. That's not something that um, we've gotten um, positive feedback on when we've asked, uh, asked about trying to move forward with a trial in osteosarcoma with Prexacertib. Anything else you wanna, do you wanna talk about Dr. Janeway? Dr. No, I, I just, I want to thank um, you, Anne, and Alexis, and, and Maeve, and Amanda for having us um, come and, and speak in this forum. But, but more than that, I want to thank the, um, the way that MIBG agents has brought the community and other groups have brought the community of doctors, researchers, and patients and families together. I think without that, we wouldn't be um, where we are right now to have, you know, several projects in osteosarcoma that I'm really excited about. And I, um, you know, um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, what, what, what's a good word for it, like a magic sauce of, of good stuff that's kind of moving this field forward. So um, I just want to thank you for that. And I want to thank, um, you know, future patients and families who are willing to participate in the trial. We are, we're so grateful for you and, and for the, the researchers and physicians that we, that we work with, that they're so open and willing to work with us and to work, and to work with each other. And, and, you know, as a patient, you don't really know how willing people are to work outside of their institution, but in, you know, in doing this work at MIB, what we hear over and over is I, it pains the physicians to look in another child's eyes or another parent's eyes and say, I don't have anything else for you. That's, and that pain is really the transformative moment where they go, we, we have to do something else. And so 
I am so grateful for this, for this physician researcher and patient community for working together so that that moment happens less and less as time goes on. That's the thing. But in the meantime, you can't do your work without us contributing to it mm -hmm. as well. Financially, of course, when, we, when, we are, when we're outsmarting osteosarcoma and we're asking for donations for research, that it goes right to these projects and places like Osteosarcoma Institute funding this research, it's, it's, it's profoundly meaningful. As we can see, we wouldn't have this without Osteosarcoma Institute. We wouldn't have the research that MIB funds without, without that stepping stone, stone grant. In the meantime, that's not the only way to contribute, to go to osproject.org and just say, just sign in and you can contribute at any level. You can say, and none of it's financial. You can go on and say, I was this age at diagnosis. I'm how many years out? You yeah. can go all the way through to, here's bio samples, here's my medical records, but you choose. But participation at any level means discovery. It's something you're teaching. You're, we're all teaching each other something we all didn't know. And it's not until we all come together that those discoveries happen. So now it's never been a better time for discovery. We just now have to hit the gas and we've just got to go do it. So go to osproject.org, um, ask your doctor about, about these clinical trials. We, we have the information now to, to go. So let's go. <laughs> Okay, so thanks, you guys. This is such an exciting osteobites. I'm, I'm. It's, I, it provides so much hope, even if you're in treatment, maybe even especially if you're in treatment, that that this work is is being done and these options are available. Um, so thank you. Um, we, in the meantime, cannot wait for next week's osteobites, which is going to be another cool session. We have Ellen Shobit, who's a registered nurse navigator with at Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Children's Hospital. She'll be here with David Poplock, who's the director of Global Hematology Oncology Pediatric Excellence Program and associate director of Texas Children's uh, Cancer Hospital and Hematology Centers. And they'll be talking about the Passport for Care Program. That's gonna be so amazing. Like. Dr. Poplock, are you kidding me? That's gonna be awesome, and Ellen is brilliant. Finally, if you haven't downloaded or received your book, Osteosarcoma, From Our Families to Yours, please do, yes! <laughs> In addition to the free download on our website, you can get a, yes! <laughs> Dr. Janeway's got it. <laughs> we like the cool kids, get one too. Um, your institution can get this too. If you want five copies or more, please email us. Um, it will be available shortly in Chinese and Spanish. Those translations are done. We're just uh, formatting the, the new book now. Um, so that's it. Thanks for joining us today. And of course, thanks to our guests, Dr. Janeway, Dr. Forrest, Amanda Mave, and Alexis. Stay safe, everyone. If MIB agents can be of help to you, please let us know. Together, we make it better for osteosarcoma kids everywhere. Thanks. I wish you so much success. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Register for next week's Osteobites when Ellen Shobit, nurse navigator at Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Children's Hospital, is here with Dr. David Poplack, 
Director of Global Hematology Oncology Pediatric Excellence Program and Associate Director of Texas Children's Cancer and Hematology Centers to talk about Passport for Care. Sign up on our YouTube channel for early viewing each week of new videos and access to the entire library of Osteobytes. For Osteobytes podcasts, listen wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, please help make it better for kids with osteosarcoma. Visit our website at mibagents.org. Thank you.